Welcome to another episode of Behind the Now. Today I chat with top portrait and headshot photographer, Kenneth Dolan. Named as the go-to guy for great headshots by Entertainment Tonight, Kenneth has photographed almost 7,500 people, including Academy Award, Golden Globe, and Emmy Award-winning actors, and some of the most influential media, tech, and business executives. His work has been featured in People Magazine, US Weekly, LA Stage, and many more. Beyond his tremendous success, what's even more striking is Kenneth's philosophy and purpose behind his photography, his approach to capturing his client's authenticity. His images are about portraiture, not caricature, as he captures truthful representations. Listen in to experience more of Kenneth's beautiful story, artistry, humor, and creativity. Hi, Kenneth. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, of course. So, Kenneth, you are a photographer. You've done so well, and you've just photographed so many for so many different things. Um, so I'm going to start with, how did you become a photographer? Where did that start? Um, okay, well, I was um, broke and unemployed and about to be homeless. So I needed something to make money because uh, I didn't want to end up living under a bridge because it gets cold. But um, so I had uh, been an actor way, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I'd also been... Uh, really successful behind the camera. I was a development executive, I was a line producer, production manager. I sold a couple things I wrote. Wow. And after that, um, became an actor and did some TV here and there and a bunch of theater. And I uh, did pretty well at everything combined, but things started to slow down and not do well. And I was desiring, I guess, a little bit more, less security than control. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, as I more deeply into being a working actor back in the day. I found it really hard not to have the degree of control that I felt was requisite for me personally in my Uh life. And I also um, felt sometimes off-put by being judged by appearance. So I wanted to supplement um, what I was doing at the end, which was just acting and some writing, with something that made me feel like I had a little bit more control of my destiny, that was a little bit more of a meritocracy. And I thought, gosh, I've been a producer, I've been a writer, I'm creative, uh, I've been an actor, and I'm really good visually. So maybe I'll just for fun supplement what I'm doing, take some headshots of some of my friends or whatever. And that was my only intention. And that's, God, I think it's like 18 something years ago. Wow. It took off very, very quickly. I um, shot a friend, their agency really liked the, uh, the images and they contacted me and they were like, hey, who are you? We haven't seen your work. I'm like, because I don't really do this. And they're like, well, now you do. And they started to send me some people. Somebody saw it. This is a long time ago and some celebrity happened to see it. Um, and they contacted me out of the blue and I was very new. And they're like, hey, would you shoot this celebrity? And it was Academy Award nominated. Yeah. Did it, didn't have a studio. I mean, literally went to a parking lot behind a trendy retail store and shot this guy. Uh, it was Haley Joel Osment, way back in the mm. sense and now still doing really well. 
And um, his agent liked it, started sending me people and it just took off. Wow. I didn't have the, the time to focus on the other stuff. And as the other stuff was waning a little bit, mm-hmm. perfect timing, this started to take off. So it was like this beautiful wow. passing. And I started doing this and uh, doing it uh, regularly. And within, gosh, a year of starting, it became my full-time gig. Wow. That is just amazing. Yeah. It was, you know, so on some level, very accidental. I didn't have any particular background in photography or any uh-huh. training. And it required me to very, very quickly become uh, an autodidact and really get crazy self-taught very quickly. And the self-teaching is still happening 18 years later. Still hmm. the same. Wow, I love that. That's so amazing. Uh, so yeah. did you find that your photography, because it took off very quickly, it seems, and did it feel like, was there something different about it than pursuing acting or producing in the, in terms of like how it suddenly took off and like, yeah. yeah. So when I was a producer, I was a line producer. I was not a creative producer. Uh-huh. So I organized the shoot and it wasn't, I was miscast, so to speak. Um, I got caught up in the momentum of success. I worked for some very big directors. I uh-huh. like kind of like young and large and but I got so caught up in the momentum of like, hey, it feels good to be successful. Everyone's kissing my butt, which is the wrong way to go about life, that I didn't really think about whether it was the right work for me. And I prefer things that are a little bit more creative mm-hmm. and it's between stuff that's organizational and stuff that's creative. So uh, it was different than line producing that I was happier doing it. Um, and I didn't feel like I had to be the daddy. I got to feel like an artist. Mm-hmm. In terms of acting, the primary difference was, and I know a lot of your actor um, viewers are going to understand this, acting can be a meritocracy. It can, there can be a commensurate reward sometimes for effort and for talent and for tenacity and for consistency. But not always. Mm-hmm. All that do everything theoretically right in terms of applying their work ethic, right? Tenacious, having a really good, true sense of self, not doing you know doing something that's false for them, mm-hmm. and good actors, and every day getting up and working their hardest. And yet, a very small percentage of people who pursue this actually succeed. When I say succeed, I mean make a you know, on a business level, make a great living doing mm-hmm. life that they want. And it can be really emotionally debilitating for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. But it might not be constant rejection. I think that's the wrong word, but it may be a constant sense of. Right. Rejected. Yeah. And so it doesn't feel like there's a directly compensatory reward for. Mm-hmm. And also how many other careers does how you look play such a significant role? And so nobody cared how I looked when I was a photographer. They don't care. You're great looking and you're a former male model. Great. People love shooting with you. You get to be charismatic. If you're a nerdy dude like me, then people are like, hey, I'm shooting with a nerdy dude. But there was no judgment based on appearance. And 
it felt like more of a meritocracy. It felt like the harder I worked at reaching out to people, mm. at working, at communicating my, I guess, particular philosophy about how to shoot headshots, the better I did. And that didn't apply always in acting. Right. I worked my butt off and feel like I was doing good work. And I was a working actor. I'm very lucky. I got, I did pretty well. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was a directly commensurate reward for effort. So it's really empowering. And it made me clear on something. And maybe, I don't know, maybe all actors should think about this. We live in an era right now, and I'm going to be a little tangential. It's okay. And because I'm OCD, I'm going to, I notice that my button is undone. This is one of the things that I do in photography. People say the devil is in the details. I say the God is in the details. The that dog? The God. Oh, the God. Yes, yes, yeah. One button drove me crazy. Um, so anyhow, um, getting back to your question, that's how it felt a little bit different mm-hmm. than what I had done before. Yeah, you're speaking of such a truth, you know, and it can be so frustrating but you're essentially you became an entrepreneur like a business owner too but it's creative I became um a creative entrepreneur and that's a lot of the actors I work with and it's getting to the point I was about to make um we are living in a really unique time it is for the first time truly possible for anybody to create their own opportunities Mm. it doesn't mean that the world is not saturated with everybody creating content. The big challenge now is, hey, it's the first time you can literally with your iPhone or a DSLR camera or whatever, create professional looking content. Um, And if you're really, really, really good and you have something to say and you write something fascinating or your work as an actor is amazing, you can then work at disseminating that content, you know? Mm everything from like, hey, I'm going to do a YouTube station, I'm going to do a TikTok, I'm going to, you know, uh, do a webisode or whatever it is, web series. At the same time, there are more and more people creating their own content and much of it, honestly, most of it sucks. Mm-hmm. So create good content. But it is so imperative now that actors understand they need to be entrepreneurs. Mm. Oh, I love that term. Yeah. It, you know, the thing that sometimes I would say it drives me crazy, but it doesn't drive me crazy in the like, damn it, I'm mad. Mm-hmm. I really wish I could help people understand this. I have so many actors that work with me and I'm like, hey, how's it going? They come through, I'm maybe an agent or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting out. I called my agent. They said it's slow. I waited a few months and I emailed my agent. They said, well, it's slow. Maybe you need more headshots. And I'm a headshot photographer. But I will t- look at people and be like, you don't need headshots. That's bullshit. Hmm. It's bullshit. You're doing the disease of saying, I have an agent. Now I want to be complacent. Right. Around and wait because it's so hard to keep trying to get an agent, to keep trying to make things mm-hmm. happen. And I'm, I'm thinking right now, create your own opportunities. Yeah. Write, produce something. If you can't write Find somebody that can make a short, make a web series, create a TikTok station that draws attention that's unique and that isn't vapid or stupid. But it is so imperative right now that you don't get in the habit of sitting and waiting. Yeah, I agree. And also, I think when you sit and you wait, um, you start to become desperate if things aren't happening. Mm -hmm. 
there is nothing more antithetical to success as an artist than desperation. Nothing. Right. Nothing is more antithetical than saying, oh my God, oh my God, I, you won't work. I mean, I see it all the time in headshots. And forgive me, I'm very tangential. If it's too no, much. it's good. I love it. Yeah. Um, I see it in headshots. People come in and they're like, they have rainbow suspenders and big fake red glasses. And then they have a cop outfit. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, my agent said I have to, and I'm not getting out. Maybe this will mm. Oh, the opposite is true. You're coming from a lack of faith. And for artists, yeah. faith, huge faith isn't just a religious term. It applies to the religion of making art. Mm -hmm. So I tell people all the time, have faith. You don't want to do anything that's desperate. But when you sit around waiting and there are no auditions, you get desperate. You also get foolishly careerist. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be careerist, wanting acting to be your career and wanting to work your butt off at it and wanting to be famous and win an Academy Award. Good for you. But you can't be careerist and like, oh my God, I'll do anything to book a co-star. Yeah. So you're desperate and you yeah. look. So when, you know, I think it's important not to sit and wait to understand that when you're presenting yourself as an artist, you can look like an actor desperately looking for work or you can look like a working actor. Yes, that's... I like the latter of the two. So if they bring suspenders and giant glasses or a cop outfit, I honestly am very... I try to be funny when I do it, but I say, you know what? Why don't you just write the word desperate on a T-shirt? Mm. I'll photograph them. <laughs> Yeah. Also, yeah. You also bring up a point like um, in terms of headshots, some people think they need these different types, but I, your approach is much more authentic and it's speak a little bit about that. Like, so if someone's working with you and they're getting headshots, what do you tell them to bring in terms of wardrobe or however? Sure. Um, so a lot of people contact me and they tell me the looks that they want to do. Mm -hmm are predominantly going out for commercials or commercials is a big part of your wheelhouse some of those more specific looks make more sense right mm. um if you are blonde blue-eyed corn-fed look like you're the pretty blonde girl out of kansas <laughs> so fresh and all and like an old you know shampoo ad yeah it makes sense to do something a little bit sunshiny outdoor girl next door it makes sense mm -hmm. If you are in your 30s or 40s and you have a, you're a male, for example, and you have a sense of gravitas about you, power, intelligence, absolutely rock something procedural or business. Do them both with subtlety. Mm -hmm. And they make sense. They make sense for sure commercially, even a little bit theatrically. But I skew the idea of extreme looks. Mm. I prefer truth to caricature. And sometimes people that want to do commercial looks come in and I get it. And there's, they say, my agent said, I have to quote, my agent said, I have to unquote. And then they'll give me like, you know, it's my quirky loud Hawaiian shirt, my big glasses need or whatever mm. it might be, really, or, you know, I need to look um, like a victim. I hear that recently, no makeup, looking really raw, like I'm trailer park. And that's fine, maybe for commercials, because I'm predominantly theatrical in terms of mm -hmm. my, but maybe for commercials that could work. I 
think that it's a little going a little far. Um, but my sense is, irrespective of that, if you're going to do a look, do it with subtlety, suggest it. You mm. don't like you're an extreme costume. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think you look more like an extra when you're doing that. It's very day player. It's very much co-star. Mm. So I tell every actor that books with me, irrespective of the looks that you have asked me to shoot for you, well, let me step back and say this. I have a bunch of people that contact me. They'll give me their five looks, right? Or, mm. their, or four looks, right? Here's what I want. I want this, 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 and this. And I hear it. And I say, do you know nowhere in those looks did you say that you want to be yourself? Mm. Which is the main. A girl next door. You want to be procedural. You want to look like a victim. And then you want to look sexy or badass or whatever. I'm like, where's you? Because... Ultimately, the most important look you're going to do is you. Right. Being you beautifully, blissfully, wonderfully, wholly, acceptingly loving self. It's the most perfect thing you can be. There's one of you. There are a million girl next doors. There are a million. But there's one of you. Yes. Your your sense of self is ultimately what's going to make you ascend as an actor. Meryl Streep never, I doubt very much, did a girl next door and a, a quirky and a procedural. <laughs> Meryl Streep, what came across when she was young was a sense of patrician, classic, mm. a sense of deep intelligence. And these inner qualities are ultimately what will help you ascend as an actor, not the outer qualities. You might be commercials looking you know, like the quirky guy in the rainbow Hawaiian shirt and the big fake glasses making a silly face. And maybe you'll get some comedy stuff if you're like a groundling or a UCB mm. person. But ultimately, your ascension relies on not only accepting, but embracing self. So I always tell my clients one of my favorite quotes, which is Dr. Seuss, uh, who I guess got canceled, but I'm still going to quote Dr. Seuss. Today you are you. This is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. So beautiful. It's a children's. It is. So I encourage people to make their most important look the look we call you. Yeah. Then you can do the and, other as like secondary stuff. Right. And like all those other looks too can like they're inside of you also, you know? So like the way you say like subtly, um, like you can it's through you, even the, even those, like they come out, you know? <laughs> Best, wisest words, no matter what you're doing, it's through you. Brilliance, my friend, brilliance. It's <laughs> you. I love yeah. that. It is through you. Because if not, you're doing parody. Right, right. And you don't want to do parody. So even if you are, for example, even if you have gravitas and you're a 57 year old man and you look very powerful and serious and you want to do a business look it's still got to be the way you would do a business mm. i'm that age right i'm an older dude i'm uh, if i played a businessman let's say it was clean shaven or whatever and i was playing a business guy i wouldn't pose i'd say what would i bring to the table as a business person even though i might be in character but what are the qualities that live inside out of me that I'm going to bring everything I do. Hopefully it's intelligence, directness, 
quirkiness, sensitivity. Those are my inner qualities. And I'm going to bring that through everything I do, even my power. My power is not going to be based on I'll kick your ass because I can't. Mm-hmm. My power isn't going to be based on, probably my power will be based on intelligence. So I bring that to my businessman, but I wouldn't be something false. Like just to extrapolate that, I see so much false. You know, I see balding 35-year-old chubby character actors. Everybody wants to look like the kind of whatever, the old, I'm going to use a dated reference because he was the first guy in a way or one of them, the Steve McQueen archetype, you know, or the Tom Hardy or whatever his name is. I'm the cool, rugged dude. I'm Mm. so, but it only makes sense if that's part of your inner life, you know? Yes. But everything you're saying makes perfect sense (laughs) completely. Cause I think, I think of, it's kind of an extension of exactly the way I think of acting, you know? So it's just like your headshots are doing that, but it's print. Yeah. And I don't even, you know, I, it's funny because I was working with an actor today, actress. I, I say actor for male and female um, or for non-binary because I'm, um, everybody to me is just an actor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was saying, to a, a client today, something very, very, very similar that not only does everything come through you and not only do you need to be like incredibly authentic, um, but I was just working with somebody about being really present today about like not, again, I'm gonna be tangential, but not trying too hard. Mm. Like the sense of knowing you're enough and so I had an uh, actor, actress, actor to this morning that was doing this. And they had a uh, perma smoke. Hi. Hmm. And it's fine. Some people can do it, but it looks a little bit fake because it was lacking a faith that, that um, she was enough. Hmm. Didn't need to do a lot. And so, yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's everything all the time to just, remember to like stay in that state you know of being present and because I think they kind of go hand in hand like being enough and just being present because you're not trying trying comes from like a lack sometimes oh very true trying comes from a lack and isn't that amazing how often we don't have to try and when we stop trying that's when we thrive it's sort of like when you think about trying if you put it into your acting work hey um you got the script and it says the, the man says, we just lost your puppy. And when you hear the word puppy, it says cries. Mm. You want to do that, which probably is foolish because that's sort of a goal. Uh-huh. I agree. Cry on puppy and you keep rehearsing. Puppy's going to make me cry. I got to cry on puppy. Oh my gosh. Puppy is four sentences away. Puppy is one sentence away. <laughs> You're going to be completely not crying. Yeah completely not in the moment because you're lacking faith that you can just let it happen and not need to try right why to cry you will probably fail right if you allow it to happen you might succeed right and and if you even disregard that you have to have any result there because you trust that you're living it you know what you do 
like whatever happened, like however it lands on you is how it lands on you, you yeah. know, and that that overrides whatever a script said, which was maybe meant for like a reader, you know? Yeah. And whatever lands on you lands on you. So well said, um, you know, in your real life, if you found out that your closest friend was in the hospital, they'd been struck by a car and died. There's no right reaction. Right. It's not like you're supposed to cry. Some people cry. Some people go into shock and they're silent and they're shaking. Some people laugh. Mm. Nervous laughter. Some people are just stunned and dead. And some people sob like a baby inconsolably. But there's no right. Right. They're supposed to. You, as you said so beautifully, I forgot your words. You let <laughs> it what you said or... I'm not 100% what I said either now. And it's so beautiful. And maybe that can be kind of extrapolated into headshots. Right. Yeah, I really see it that way now. I'm like, I'm realizing. So when you have a client that comes in and a lot of people, well, first of all, you have a TED Talk that's beautiful. And you talk. It's a TEDx Talk. TEDx talk. TED what's talk. the difference? What? I'm sorry to ask this, but what's the difference to clarify? Um, TED talks are very different um, in that, you know, I would guess, I don't even know how many people do it per year, maybe 20, 30. Okay, okay. TEDx is kind of like um, a lot more people give them. And then the people whose TEDx talks are the most spectacular are often invited to do a actual TED talk. But nonetheless, it was really uh, fun to do the TEDx talk. And I was really honored to be asked. I was like, whoa, me? Okay, thank you. Wow. Yeah, and it was amazing. For anyone who hasn't seen it, they definitely should watch it. Um, But one thing you bring up is uh, that people are inherently often just uncomfortable in front of a camera. And so how do you deal with clients? How do you deal with that? Because I'm sure you notice it right away when a client's uncomfortable and there's like all the walls are up, you say. Fart sounds. Sorry? Fart sounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, make people laugh. When you laugh, you when you breathe, you oxygenate. When you oxygenate, you relax. That's why great acting teachers usually... You know, back in the day when I was an actor, I studied with Larry Moss, who's amazing. And he would just have us do the first 20 minutes of class, just breathing, just. And so I make people breathe or I ask them to, or I'll just make them laugh. Cause when you laugh, you really breathe a lot. Mm. Um, how else do I deal with discomfort in front of the camera? Uh. There are a, a number of ways. Sometimes it's just talking to people and being personable. And sometimes that works. I mean, I have people whose lips are quivering. They're so uncomfortable. Mm. Um, often for me personally, might not come across in this interview, but I like to make people laugh when I'm shooting. I like to be really, really silly um, because it just makes it fun. And when you're laughing, you're also relaxed. Right. Right. Relax is everything for acting, for everything. It has to come from a place of relaxation. Like that's how anything comes through you, you know? Very true. And that's um, sometimes I'll ask people, um, 
to do nothing. Uh, I'll teach them what their neutral face is. So if they're like, hmm. I'll just be like, give me your breathe. Let go of everything. I want every muscle in your face relaxed. And I want you to give me something. It's not a headshot. We're not going to use it. I want you to give me what you look like completely relaxed. And I'm trying to get there. It's this. And I'll say, that's your neutral. When I see too much tension or you worrying too much, I'm going to ask you to go to neutral and breathe for a minute to regroup, to like reset the <laughs> that you can get. I use laughter. Sometimes I will be very provocative. Hmm. And I will look someone in the eye and I'll say, um, you know, you don't need to try so hard because when you're trying so hard, I see it. The camera sees it, the casting directors will see it, the agents will see it, and you will just look like not an actor, but a person that's trying too hard. There'll be no truth. And I'll be very provocative. I mean, I'll try to do it with love. Sometimes mm. we understand it, but I'll say, you know, you're enough, right? You know, you don't have to give me your weird tense headshot face you know where that comes from, right? And I'll tell them, do you know your entire life, and this happens to a lot of people, you're taught to be false on camera. From the day you're a kid and your parents pose you, and back in the day they used to say, say cheese. Mm. And you're taught to turn on a pose. You're taught that you're not enough if you're not posing. Right, oh my gosh, yeah. Most people pose for the camera. I think my job is to get you to stop posing. Yeah, I love that. So I, I might just say, you know, your whole life you've been taught to say cheese. You don't need to. There's no cheese here. <laughs> it's cheese. It looks bad. Like, yeah. like I, I tell people sometimes if they do a fake smile, like I'll bring up the camera. Maybe I'm just lighting or whatever. And sometimes... I'm very specific about directions, which helps people too. Um, but sometimes I'll just pick up the camera and see what they do without a direction. I'll often get a lot of this. Pretend you're raising a camera and I'll show you what I get. <laughs> this frozen fake smile. And I'll tell people, you know, I think even for actors, the hardest thing to get to is often a laugh or a smile or joy. It's easier to cry. Huh. So I'd rather have them do nothing than something false. And so one of the ways I make them comfortable is I do reactive work. Let's say I wanted to smile out of you. Instead of telling you to smile, instead of allowing your fake smile, I tell you to do nothing. And then I might try to make you smile. And I'm really good at that. When I'm in a shoot, I'll be... I'm really good at eliciting a laugh and I'll just say, aim it at the camera. Your entire life, you've also been taught in front of a camera to keep control. Mm. What if you lose control? What if I photograph that? Isn't that why people win Academy Awards? Right, exactly. Sophie's Choice, Meryl Streep was controlling her head position and her face position. <laughs> I think she was lost in some of the most profoundly moving emotional depth I've ever seen on film and had no idea. It's like that moment where you're, you're an actor, when you're done, you don't even remember what you just yeah. did. You're so lost in it. So I'll try to get people to that place and I'll just give them something to react to. I call it reactive work. 
I'll either make you laugh or I'll say something uh, to make you feel powerful or intense. I might say something to trigger you emotionally. I had an actor uh, in here recently and I knew just from some of the comments he made initially that uh, he had dad issues. Mm. And I threw an unplaced safe, but I just said to him at one point, because I knew I would trigger something, I said, you know, you're not your dad. And he just, boom, he started to cry. And it wasn't a negative thing, it was beautiful. He wiped his tears, like, oh my God. And that moment, and again, this is, we're actors, it's okay to cry. I don't care if you cry in here. But that moment when he was done, it released everything. Mm. About finding a way to release stuff. Sometimes it's a real simple direction. Sometimes it's a line reading to get people comfortable. I'm like, oh my God, you're an actor. You're not used to breaking a fourth wall, looking at a lens and, and being still on a camera. So let me give you a line to read. And it might be really simplistic, right? Um, sometimes I'll do a faux Meisner thing because it's not, but or I'll do a repetition. For example, I would say to you, okay, you know what? Your line is, I do what I want. And I'm going to say, do what I say. We're just going to repeat it. So I'll say, hey, uh, do what I say. Your line is, I do what I want. Let's try it. Do what I say. I do what I want. I say. I do what I want. Do what I say. I do what I want. Do what I say. I do what I want. Boom, I just took the shot. You found some connection and power. We might do that with a whole bunch of different lines for a long time. Mm. So sometimes we'll get past being photographed and go to what you do well, which is the acting part. And other times I can't get someone comfortable and I fail abysmally. Hmm. So are they. Wow, it's am- you're, um, you're a director too, honestly, you know, because there's, sorry. I'm an actor? No, director. Like you kind of, like I'm thinking, like you're, like I would think you'd be a brilliant director because you're, you work not in like results. You get to like the truth of like, like what the person's doing. Try to do that. There are times where, you know, the one thing that I have little patience for is people who are, you know, it's very ubiquitous and in like in Insta culture. Like, hey man, I am the bomb. I'm the best man. I kill it. Look at me. Mm. Perfect. Yeah, I try. I fail. I mean, there are clients I can't reach. There are clients that are not used to this approach to headshots. They just want to pose. And some of them I can't reach. You know, most I do. Some of them, my process might even frustrate. Mm. Some of them stuck. I want to do these silly commercial looks. My agent said I had to. I don't want to be directed. I want to pose. I want to give you my bye with my glasses and whatever. And at a certain point, um, I mean, quite honestly, it's their money and their headshots. I don't want to do my work in a way that's false for me, mm-hmm. that's or that feels untrue. But I'm also going to honor the fact that you're paying me to do your headshots. And hopefully we can find a middle ground that works, you know, if I'm not able to reach you with my process. And, you know, the only thing I can say is, I just, I try really hard to get people to understand these concepts, that there is a way to do headshots that honors you. And maybe it is a more theatrical approach. And, you know, no one will try harder. I'll mm. stop trying. 
Wow. I love, I love everything you're saying. Um, so do you think, did you come up with this approach to headshots? Because no, no. no. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I mean, nothing is original. I'm sure there are <laughs> yeah. far more successful and far better photographers than me who are doing similar stuff. I just discovered what worked for me. Uh-huh. And the, you know, it's funny, like, as an actor, right? I guarantee you that your work has changed and evolved and maybe in very small, subtle ways, you might be doing it differently. We all change and evolve. So at the beginning, I was just really, um, really easy about it all. It's just like, hey man, let's hang out, shoot, it's cool, it's fun, stand there, on the fake glasses, I don't care. As time went by, and maybe because I've been doing it so long, as Instaculture started to pop up and social media culture, and the ability to curate, filter, and disseminate your own very disingenuous false images started to become ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. I, that, I think subconsciously that I wanted to be a seeker of truth. And I wanted to do, and maybe I'm at a step. It could be that in two years, no one wants to work with me because of this, but you know, you can create perfectly filtered Insta content right? where you're all, you know, your angles and you're like, boom, with your camera here. And, you know, it's a longer shot. And some of that stuff really works. I've told some of my clients, use that as your headshot. I look at their Insta, I'm like, it's great. Mm. Some of it is so curated in a way that's false. Yeah. That when you walk in the room, not only do you not look like the person you're presenting on social media, but bigger than that, you are not that person. You've created kind of without knowing it, an avatar. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of like, did you see that movie Free Guy? I haven't actually. I guess Ryan Reynolds or whatever, he's living in this, uh, he doesn't know it, but he's basically a video game character. He's an avatar, you know. But the people that populate the video games, there's one guy who's like the coolest guy. The avatar guy in the video game is played by Channing Tatum. He's just this cool, edgy guy. Then we come back to the kid whose avatar that is, and he's just this nerdy, overweight kid in his mom's, you know, basement. And he got to live in this metaverse using Mm. and create any persona he wanted to be, right? And I think people are starting to do that on a small level on social media. Yeah. This incredible persona I am. As an actor, it doesn't benefit you because when you walk in the room, they're going to be like, well, that's not you. Mm. My job, the, the one thing that keeps me and other photographers like me working, not that you can't create your own content with your iPhone, but are you going to be able to make yourself tell the truth? Mm. And yeah. I want to hold you accountable to telling the truth. And so, um, you know, I think that's how I got this process. It was just personal. I started to find discomfort with like stuff that felt really fake. Mm. I started to, while there is an element of my work that's obviously about appearance. I mean, got to do hair and makeup or whatever. It's part of it. But I started to get off put by people who only seemed to care about appearance because 
Meryl Streep is not, and I always use her because I think, well, my favorite actor is Mark Rylance, but a lot of people might not know of him. Mm -hmm. Particularly Meryl Streep of Sophie's Choice, that Meryl Streep, the greatest, one of the maybe three or four greatest screen actors to ever live, or Daniel Day-Lewis. They didn't get where they were at based on the color of their shirt. Right. (laughs) And their headshots. And they didn't get where they're at based on their hair and makeup. I submit to you that Meryl Streep could have been in a blue shirt or, <laughs> or a yellow shirt and had straighter hair, or maybe had a little bit sloppier hair. She's still Meryl effing Streep. And so I started to get off put by people's focus so much on the outside. Yeah. I started hearing myself saying things to people like, do you understand I'm not photographing the fabric on your back? It is not the fabric on your back. It's the fabric of your spirit. It is not the color of your shirt. It's the color of your soul. It is not how your hair is styled. It's the being that that hair belongs to. Mm. I found myself saying that. I don't know how that happened and developed kind of this approach that works for some people and makes me happy. And also, I, I think personally, I'm more interested now. Like, I'm a big cinema lover. Mm-hmm. And I love theater, too. You know, I like Mark Rylance and Daniel Day-Lewis and Christian Bale and these amazing actors. I'm more intrigued by that than, like, the influencer types. Yeah, me too. So I want to do work that feels theatrical and maybe even lately more portrait-like than headshot-like. But I think a portrait, if it's done right, can be an amazing headshot, you know? Um, so I don't know. Anyhow, long answer to short question. It happened organically, this approach, and maybe it'll be different in two years. I have no idea. Yeah, so I'd love it though. What's the difference? Because you definitely distinguish between portrait and headshot. What What are the differences for someone listening? I think they're a little bit subtle. I mean, I guess on a simple level, traditionally headshots have been a little bit less Well, I used to say this, if people look at the image and say, that's an amazing photo, Mm -hmm. it's not a good headshot because they're focusing on the photography, which makes what we do actually really challenging because I want them to look at it and say, no, that's an amazing person Mm -hmm. where the person comes through not the photograph. In a portrait, (laughs) excuse me, I want it to maybe be a little bit of both. I want the person to come through, but I also want it to be really beautifully strikingly lit so it not only feels like hey this approach that i do is real but it also feels really high-end like i belong in vanity fair Mm. um that feels like you're you know i always tell people if i do a portrait at the end of their session or or 10 or 50 or whatever i'll be like okay you've done your headshots now let's do some shots in 10 years Mm. right now or in five years right now meaning it's five years later, and you are a two-time Emmy and one-time Academy Award winner. You're exactly where you want to be, or you're a revered indie film actor. You're exactly where you want to be. You have no agent to please. You have nothing to prove. You're an icon. What would we do then? Let's give you an I'm already there photo. And those I want to light a little bit more because I think those deserve a little bit more like portrait lighting. 
Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love that you do that. You do that at the end of every session or. Oh, no, it depends if I have time okay. actor or act, you know, again, actor being any gender, any non-gender, um, but it depends on the actor I'm working with and the time of the session. If mm -hmm. it's, but I love doing it. Also for me, because I've done headshots for like, gosh, you know, so long for like my 18 years, it makes me feel a little bit sometimes more like a photographer and less like a headshot photographer. And lately I've really dug that. So yeah. I want to do a few at the end, which is like, boom, look at the photography and the person. But you know, that doesn't never negates doing effective headshots. Oh, it doesn't. I was actually wondering, I was thinking that. Yeah. So I'll always get you the headshots and then, it, you know, if we have time, I'll be like, let's do a couple really striking portraits. Let's do some Rembrandt light or some light drop off or some, black and white or whatever, and do some stuff that like, hey, I'm already famous and this is going to appear in Vanity Fair. And it's fun. Yeah. Sometimes when an actor sees it, it's really empowering. They're like, whoa, that's how working actors do it. Whoa. And so it becomes in a way, the viewing of the image becomes a lesson in a way. Like, wow, I can come at it this way. Mm. <sighs> Amazing what photography can do. Yeah, it can. And um, it can make people feel really good about themselves. Um, it can also do the opposite. Right. Sometimes nobody wants a mirror held up that close to their face. And for some people, it's really, it's really hard. It's sort of like, wow, you just gave me, you know, 450 shots of myself. And there's a mirror right here. And I don't like what I see. Hmm. It can also be really hard on people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And in a city and in an industry that focuses so much on appearance and in a time that is so focused on appearance perfection, it can be really effing brutal on people because they can come in with um, a, maybe a slight dysmorphia in a way. Mm. Uh, a lack of and when they see a bunch of truthful shots of themselves they can be like whoa but I think you have to be boldly truthful yeah and I think there's this weird thing with a, like people notice completely different things about themselves than other people notice about them um do you have anything to say about that like I don't know why that necessarily is I mean I don't know it's you and you know there's an inordinate pressure put on yourself too. Like, let's say you're an actor doing a headshot. I do a lot of like high-end, super, super high-end executives as well. Mm -hmm. Media executives, directors, high-techie people, whatever, tech execs. And they're like, hey man, let's just take these shots. And you know, um, their career isn't resting on the shot in their mind. They're like, hey man, let's just take a half hour and let's do some shots. Oh yeah, looks cool, let's go. <laughs> If you're an actor, part of the reason you're microanalyzing every part of your face, I did it, because you feel like your career rests on these, or there's a huge impact on your career. And you're also in an industry that judges you every day on your appearance. If you are Bill Gates, nobody gives a, an F how you look, right? You're Bill Gates. Who cares how he looks? And so, I mean, part of it's that, part of it is... When you're looking at other people, you look at them differently than you look at yourself. Mm. 
looking at your own image, you know, we all, you look at your friends and you just see, oh, I love you. You don't think about their flaws, right? Right. images we're so we've looked at our own face in a mirror privately in a bathroom with a door closed looking right up on <laughs> for years we sit there and we just analyze and exacerbate our perception of what our flaws are so yeah you know and we're all like weirdly dysmorphic that way i mean seriously so i i have actors that are like my left eye is one percent too small and i don't like this goes up and i'm that's your fucking face. It's your face. It's great. You know, it's like Steve Buscemi probably doesn't obsess on his teeth and he's done okay. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, I tell them that. And I also say the things that you're obsessing on, no casting director, if they're looking at a submission image, is going to, you got 10 seconds. They're going to be like, oh, he looks smart and powerful. Like it. So let's bring him in for the smart, powerful guy. Mm. Ooh, she looks cute and innocent. She looks cute and innocent. Let's bring them in for the cute and innocent. Ooh, she looks a little bit mean and edgy. Not bring her in for that. But they're not analyzing. Look at her left eyelid. Hey, come on, <laughs> guys. Everybody, look. Her left eyelid is one eighth of one centimeter higher than the other. Let's blacklist her. <laughs> They're not looking at the shit that you're looking at. Yeah. They're looking at the shit you're looking at. Nobody's microanalyzing the minutia of like where your eyelid is. Right. You're looking yeah. at what you're conveying in the shot, which is power or quirkiness or confidence or innocence or vulnerability or a combination of all those or whatever. But they're, they're not microanalyzed. Like, like I had a client obsessed on their lip was thinner on this side and thicker on this side. I'm like, hey, that's your lip. What, what do you want? I mean, I guess you could get those silly fillers and look like a duck. Or you could just say, that's my lip. And it was so minor. And I was like, I don't think cast director has time to be analyzing your lip. If they do, they're not a very successful cast. Right. <laughs> so... I mean, I think you deal with it that way and you just understand that nobody is judging you the way you're going to judge you. Yeah. And it, I like, and like listening to you say that it's so funny because it's so true, but it's also so sad that everyone, you know, like that we're like that. Like, why can't we look at ourselves and just how we would look at people we like, <laughs> you know? concept I had that I was gonna if I ever had time make a short film about and hopefully no one will steal it but here it is um imagine a world in which all of us can see everyone around us you can see me because you look at me through your eyeballs and you can see your friends you can see your family you can see everyone but there's no such thing as a mirror there's no such thing as a camera and there's no such thing as a reflection. Yeah. You've never seen your own appearance. Yeah, that's amazing. What would you be if you had no conception of what you looked like? Yeah. And I always think animals are, they live that way. <laughs> More animal. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm not saying we can, that might be antithetical to the, our nature as animals. And we have right now, um, nothing but mirrors. And right. 
social media. In fact, I'm going to destroy this, but I read somewhere that in something like, I don't remember the year, like 2017 or something like five years ago, more images were created in that one year than in all of history prior to that year. We're in year. We're inundated with images and images of self. And oh. imagine a world where you walked in a room and you carried yourself with zero conception of what you looked like. I guess your only conception would be how other people related to you. Mm -hmm. or profoundly beautiful other people would be drawn more to you. But that'd be interesting to not know why. And, yeah. Um, maybe you'd know people's descriptions of your appearance. Oh, you're so beautiful. But what if people couldn't even describe it? What if you had zero sense of how you looked? But you knew yeah, it's amazing. I know there's that, a woman, sorry. Oh, it would be fascinating, I think. Yeah, I agree completely. There's a woman I think that did um, a study and covered, didn't look in a mirror, but I think it was like two weeks, you know? And that's just like, it's something, but it's not to the degree to which you're speaking. They go crazy or what? The result? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I have a whole bunch of things, I think. Also in terms of like, makeup like she didn't wear makeup you know because she couldn't put it on and um like showering I guess you'd feel like I don't know all these things are hair yeah. um yeah you know it's a fascinating concept for actors because you judge so much on appearance to think about a world where you had no conception of your appearance so your work as an actor was not about your appearance it was just about your emotional connection your ability to trigger emotions to feel to think come from your head, your heart, gut, all that kind of stuff and be completely oblivious to appearance because ultimately, even if you're really beautiful, when you're doing your work, you are, and you're doing it at a high level, you are completely oblivious to appearance unless of course you're playing somebody that's all about it. Right, right. Yes, I was gonna say that a hundred percent because you're so present that that falls away. Like you don't even, no conception of how you look except, yeah. I mean, name a performance recently where somebody went so deeply emotional that it was just shocking. You know, in my litany of top 20 film performances, it's Young Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. Mm. Where, did you see it? Mm -hmm. She's making the choice. Right. I knew you were going to say that. Because that actor went to a place as deep as I've ever seen an actor go. It was staggering. Brought me to my knees. And I wept like a, a baby. Yeah. I guarantee you Meryl Streep wasn't thinking about her hair or her appearance. Yeah. When she was doing that. Because when you're choosing one of your children to die, you're not thinking about how you look. How's my hair? Yeah, kill that one. It's my hair. Oh. And, and so imagine bringing that, even though we're going to start with hair and makeup, Imagine bringing that to your headshot session. Exactly. So true. And that said, you know, this is really ascendant discussion, but trust me, sometimes it's just fucking headshots too. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like what we do here is all about great ascendant thinking. Sometimes it's like, come on in and you hear your, you know, three looks plus you being you and let you shoot it. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. 
Right. I love that. That's so, yeah, everyone should think of their headshots as an extension of, I mean, it's two good acting jobs. So why not think of it? Like, what would you bring to the job? Yes. Should have you come work with my clients too. But, you know, it's really funny because I always tell people, you are not at a photo shoot. Mm. You're at an acting job. If we do modeling work, it's very different. You're at a photo shoot. Mm. Occasionally I shoot models too. But if you're doing an acting session with me or a headshot session with me, you are at an acting job. You don't do it differently, except maybe there's a little bit less movement. But I always say it's like an acting job when you're in close-up. If I was in real close-up, I wouldn't be like, hey, what's right. up? And I would have the awareness that the actor has the paraperception and the awareness of my head in the frame. Boom. Plan it and feel right here. But uh, I tell that every day. You are not at a photo shoot. You're at an acting job. Do it like you do what you do well, which is your acting. Yeah. I think it's an interesting approach to bring to it. Now, that said, there might be different approaches where it's all about the outside and it might work even better for headshots. I have no idea. You know, there are a couple of photographers I know. I would never mention anyone else and I will only say positive things about other photographers. But there are a couple of people uh, whose work I love. They're all about hair, makeup, position, pose, and that works too. Yeah. You know, like you as an actor, there's some people that do sense memory and emotion. There's some people that just use imagination. There's some people that are like, I just say the words and I don't have a process. Yeah. Whatever works, whatever gets you to your kind of highest place as an artist or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's with every art. There's infinite ways. The means is like lots of different ways to get to the core, you know? And, and yeah, it's interesting. That's why I think like with acting teachers that personally, now again, there are many things that work. There's a teacher that I know of uh, who I've actually referred some people to, but they are very dogmatic. This is how it's done. We use these techniques. There's no room for another technique. You do this, this, and this, and this. We rely on this sense of emotional memory. This is how we trigger. And then there are teachers that are like, no, my job is to work with every actor, understand everybody's different. Everybody has different needs. What can I do that will work for this particular actor? Yeah. You know, uh, whatever ultimately works and gets you to your best place as a creative person. Right. And I think everyone kind of develops that on their own too, after taking like bits and pieces and depending on the role and the job and a completely change, it's like almost square one each time you're working on something, you know? And then those are the people they don't even talk about their process because it's theirs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful private guarded thing. This is mm. how need to share it but very true um you know and extrapolating that idea that uh the headshots are an acting job yeah yes i love that and you also mentor photographers right like Um, coach usually yeah okay cool yeah so i'll teach people you know i'm probably can't teach them as much time. I mean, I'm technically after this long, I've gotten fairly good at it. Mm-hmm. Teach them less technically um, because I think most people who come to me, I need to know like 
Um, what do I bounce a stove? Do I use an umbrella? What kind? Do I shoot at F two eight or F eleven? Do I launch it? I'm like, yeah, that's not your issue. It doesn't matter. You know, there's a great saying. Uh, well, there's a poem by E. E. Cummings, and he said, I think whoever pays any attention to the syntax of things will never wholly feel you. And so I extrapolated, God, that's like the ninth time I've used the word extrapolate. Um, I kind of turned that into a, um, a different comment inspired by him, which is no one ever wrote the great novel by worrying about where to put the period and the mm. comment. Right. So when I teach photographers, usually they think it's technical. I'm like, it doesn't matter how technically perfect it is. If your period and your comma is in the right place, if your subjects hate that word, if the person you're photographing looks like. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. And so usually it's about just telling a story. I teach them with a photo, getting people comfortable and making sure that there's a congruity in storytelling. Even though I don't like looks, let's say I was shooting somebody who was kind of very young, bright-eyed and innocent and sweet and all Americans should be like the corn-fed cheerleader or whatever. I probably wouldn't shoot her against a chain link fence mm. you know, wearing like dark eyeshadow. And some people just need like a simple sense of like the four elements of storytelling, which are what you do in photography, which is you're the director of photography, meaning you have to light the shot, make mm -hmm. sure for what you're accomplishing. If it's a happy, brighter shot, you want brighter lighting. You might want some sunlight in the hair or some sense of sunlight. So you're the director of photography. You're the costumer. Because if it's that same bright shot, I think like a black leather biker jacket and a stud collar are not the right thing. You are uh, the location scout, meaning the chain link fence doesn't work for that, but the picket fence might. And then you're the actor's director. You get them to a place that's congruous with the goals. Hmm. Feeling bright and happy and warm and alive. And usually I end up teaching more stuff like that um, than the technical stuff because most photographers who don't do well in headshots, they're technically just fine. They just don't know how to tell the right stories for actors. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's very cool. So you... Yeah, so if anyone wants to learn from you, they can do that. Yeah, cool. my website, kennethdolan.com. Perfect. There'll be a link about like coaching. Uh, there's a link to that talk that I gave that you mentioned, that TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. There's, um, you know, a bunch of stuff, interviews or whatever. Maybe I'll put this one on my website with your permission. Um, but if not, that's cool too. And, you know, um, yeah, go to the website and you can hopefully learn a lot. And then you can always call us too. If I'm not here, I have an assistant, Anna, who picks up. She's great. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Awesome. And then I'm going to ask you one last question. Okay. Um, so how do you be the now personally? I stop thinking so much and I remember that brain two is true and I come from here. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Is there anything that you do um, like when you're not like when you're in your head to and you like have that awareness and you like transition to that? No, it's hard. (laughs) In the moment when you're like, particularly like in a shoot, you're crazy, busy, getting all this stuff done. It can be really hard to reconnect. And so. Breathing. You mentioned that. What'd you say? Breathing. Yeah, breathing. Like, right. It's really hard, like, you know, the sense of knowing something and then knowing it intellectually, cognitively, and then knowing it, you know, at your core, knowing it on a, like, cellular feeling level. So, yeah, being in the now is that thing when I can turn this off. And for me, come from here, the more I come from love, the more I'm in the now. Right. Um, the less I come from judgment, the more I'm in the now, the more patience I have, the more I'm in the now. And when I do a shoot, I like to set the goals at the beginning mm. and forget them. Oh, that's great. Uh, so I can be in the now, meaning they're already there. Like, you know, uh, I will frequently shoot clients that are so gold-focused that they can't be in the moment. And so part of it is just letting go of the goals and allowing for failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And that's very applicable to acting as well. You do whatever preparation you want, but you forget it all. <laughs> and don't judge your failure. Sometimes it's your best friend. Sometimes they keep the take where you fucked it up. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I keep using these great actors. I'll use a different one. Sometimes, uh, who's another actor, maybe female actor. Sometimes Viola Davis needs a third or fourth take. Right. Fuck it up. You're not always gonna be there. So maybe that's being in the now too, like not judging the fact that, hey, it's not perfect every time. Yeah. That's a challenge for me. So thank you for asking, because now I'm going to go right to my therapist. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it too. 